Sports Speak Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Daniels. Uh, we're back around for the 2018 season. We're in the last quarter. And just in case you forgot, this is one of those platforms where we just let everybody involved in sports, whether it be coaches, athletic directors, players, at any level from high school all the way up, get on this format, or on this forum rather, and just drop gems. Give us everything that they've learned during, during their time as players, during their time as coaches, and whatever their role may be. Tonight we got a special guest. A friend of mine, I grew up around and with her in the inner city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, she was a high school athlete and a pretty dang good one, a collegiate athlete, and now she's made the transition into coaching. I've got Ruth Stewart with us here tonight. How you doing, I'm Ruth? good. I'm good. We've had some technical difficulties, but we're here. Yeah, we're here. We finally got through it, you know, cutting through all the madness. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to pass you the microphone, okay? I want you to start from the beginning of your playing career from when you were in high school and bring us all the way to the present day. Okay. Um, I started out my high school career at East Central. Um, not a lot of people know that, but I spent the first part of my freshman year there, and then I transferred back to my home school, Nathan Hill, where I ended up graduating from. Um, ended up playing – at two different junior colleges, one being Eastern Oklahoma State College and the other one being Clarendon College, finishing up my last two years at East Texas Baptist in Marshall, Texas. And uh, now I'm at Tyler Lee High School, which is a 6A high school in East Texas. Man, that, that now that is quite the journey. And, I, and I'll be honest, as far back as we go, I never knew about your stint at uh, East Central High School. I only knew about you playing at Hale. So you just dropped a little <laughs> gem on me right there. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a real short. I mean, it was just the first semester. Okay. Now, what brought about the move? And the reason I'm asking is because I was having a conversation with some good with some good friends of mine who are also in the business, and we were kind of bouncing ideas back and forth off of one another about uh, the climate today. And we got so many players, so many student athletes, I should say, that uh, are like nomads. You know, if something's not working out instantaneously, then a lot of times they want to pick up and they want to relocate. Now, I'm not suggesting that that was what happened in your case, but what brought about the move? Um. I mean, in a, in a similar sense, I think that it, it, it mostly has something to do with that. Um, coach Shoemaker was the coach my freshman year. Uh, coach Sammy Mack was there, but I, I want to say his role was maybe the assistant coach or um, uh, some, somewhere to that light. I know that he ran the practices, um, but Coach Shoemaker had the title of head coach. Um, I would say that the reason I left was, although as a freshman, we had a pretty good class that came in. You know, I felt like I could have gotten more minutes. you know, just asking the, the easy question or a simple question, why is it, <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. I'm not getting certain minutes, but, you know, it's being voiced that, hey, you know, you're here, you're uh, just everybody on the team, et cetera, but it's not showing on the playing side. Um, I didn't go about it that way. You know, instead, you know, I kind of just told my dad that I was ready to go, 
um, go back to my home school, the school that was initially in my zone. And we kind of went from there. But I mean, looking back on it, I'm pretty sure that the reason why, you know, myself as well as the other freshmen that were up playing varsity were not getting the minutes that, you know, we felt like we should have gotten was basically because we didn't have the experience. You know, we didn't have varsity experience. And as a coach, you know, that outweighs a lot of times talent level. So. Okay. That's sort of a good segue into the, into the, the next question I was going to ask you now, seeing that you're coaching now, have you been able to see some of, some of the things that maybe some of your coaches were trying to get you to understand that maybe went over your head during, during the time you were playing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking, are you talking concepts or just, just talking things in general? Oh, in general, in general. Cause I, I know oh, there's yeah. a whole many, there's a bunch of different ways you can take that, can't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, um, one of the biggest things that I try to do as a coach now is I try to be transparent with my players. Um, you know, and that was whenever I was a head coach all the way to now as an assistant. Um, and one of the major things that I'm transparent about is that I was one of those players that was difficult to coach. You know, um, I had got the, yeah, I had got the label of being uncoachable or, you know, I will jump ship, et cetera, you know, and I own, I own that, you know, to a certain extent. And, you know, a lot of it having to do with me not having a lot of faith in certain coaches and having, you know, some bad experiences early on to where it was more so I looked at coaching and playing basketball as a business aspect and not so much as this, this coach is trying to invest in me. And so, as a coach now, you know, I let my players know my background in that. And I think that it's helped, you know, my coaching as far as getting through to my players and they can kind of see where I came from and the mistakes I made and some bridges that was burned on my part. And I can help them not burn those bridges and really change their mindset on a lot of things. That's that's a major thing right there. That that's called paying it forward right there. Because I can tell you, the the game doesn't change that much. It's just you know kids grow up and then we got a new crop that come through and the same trials and tribulations and changes that we did. And so I think it's important when you got that experience to drop on them that you make sure that they hear you even if they don't accept it. You know, because I'm pretty sure you've had to you know bump heads with some of your players just to get them to see that hey I've been in your shoes before. Maybe you haven't been in mine just yet. Now, take me back to your playing oh, yeah. days, okay? Because I know once you graduated high school, you you had sort of a, it's a sort of a long road as, as far as a, a college, your college playing experience. I remember we kind of stayed in contact during those days, and um, I think you ended up, did, did you did you end up um, spending five years in school before you finished? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, and a large, a large part of that had to do with going to JUCO first, and especially right. two different JUCOs. One being in Oklahoma, one being in Texas. And if anybody knows anything about junior colleges, um, as far as whenever you transition into a four year, sometimes all of your credits don't transfer with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so you have to basically make up that slack, you know, and yeah. by my major being education and one semester has to be spent in 
basically, uh, what's it, student teaching. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that my credits were up to standard so that my last semester could be just strictly student teaching. Um, but, you know, one year at, at Eastern, uh, which, you know, I had got that, that offer um, through um, Jimmy Walker, really the third, um, through yeah. his connection. He was good friends with the assistant coach at the time. Um, and I was able to get that look because, you know, it's like I had told you earlier, I had burned a lot of bridges, you know, especially with my high school coach at the time. Um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of coaches in the area, um, you know, but there were still some coaches that still had faith in me, you know, and Jimmy Walker third, he was definitely one of them. His dad was one of them. And, uh, also Lee Mayberry, you know, I commend him and Rod Thompson for allowing me to be a part of their organization as well. Um, which that helped me at least, at least play at the next level, um, which ended up working out, um, because it was only two hours from school. And at the time, my dad was sick, um, definitely ill. And so being that close to Tulsa helped to the back and forth. Um, but essentially, it didn't work out there. Um, only three out of the 15 players returned <laughs> the next year. Uh, a lot of girls uh, had an issue with the coach at the time. And so I decided to, to leave and um, – I knew a friend of mine, Janae Williams, she was playing for Clarendon College. And so that's how I kind of got connected there and just went on ahead and, and made that transition. Um, and luckily, um, our head coach at, at Eastern, he signed my waiver so I could <laughs> so I could transfer without any penalties. And so that was right. a blessing. I think that, that that's huge right there. And what I want to ask you about the about the the transferring process or the or the moving around. Um, do you, or did you go through any, any thought process or, or was it sort of something where you just felt it and it's like, you know what, this has got to happen. Or did, did you have to go through uh, a little bit of, of a time period to where you had to actually brainstorm and say, all right, let me think this through. Let me make sure me making a move is the right call. Or is this a situation where I can actually tough it out? Did you have to go through that process, whether it was in high school or in college, whenever you were making a move? Um, I think from, I think from the age of 14 all the way to age 19, I, and I'm not going to say I intentionally didn't think it out, but mm -hmm. it, it never crossed my mind. It was, it was always, well, what's going to benefit me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I know high school wise, especially my freshman, sophomore year, a lot of girls in my class transferred out, you know, whether it was between uh, different schools in the city of Tulsa or whether it was going to, you know, some of the out, outside schools, uh, whether it was Union, whether it was Jinx, whether it was Sepulpa, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people in Tulsa, especially on the female side, were transferring out. And so it was yeah. a common thing, um, that I didn't think anything of it, especially since a lot of us in my class, we weren't even going to the schools that were zoned, you know, that were mm -hmm. in our zone. And, um, you know, we were going to other schools. And so because that was so common, I didn't think about it. 
you know, me moving to another school was, was not even, you know, uh, a thing of, well, let me brainstorm this or let me do this. It's like, okay, well, you know, they not doing this. So it's time to move on. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of selfishness, you know, that I could admit, you know, and, and there was some fault that was actually there, but, you know, I would say that probably my soft, the end of my sophomore year, especially having to sit out for the full calendar year, I was like, I was like, I'm not (laughs) going to go through that again, you know? Um, Right. Like literally sitting out from, because I transferred in January. So sitting out from January to January. Yeah. I know that was painful. <laughs> so yeah. I guess, but I guess in the end, did the grass turn out to be greener on the other side? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer that that things happen for a reason. And you know, uh-huh. even though those were difficult times and difficult situations, um, ultimately, in retrospect, right now as a coach, I'm able to reach certain players that maybe um, a coach that had a different experience can't you know and they can kind of learn through like what you said what I did and be like well dang you know this was the result and you know this is what it cost me and it could ultimately cost them the same thing if not more loving that loving that you know I always always heard and I've you know plugged this particular quote into my own philosophy you know somebody said you know your players don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care oh yeah and i think i think that is a true deal you know you can have you can have all the x's and the o's down pat but if your relationship skills are not solid and your players don't believe in you and trust you then you're only going to get them to do so much for you and here's something else i want to i want to throw at you because i can remember when i first started my coaching career it was 2011 right i was fresh out of college and oh, yeah. I thought that I thought that everything that I had learned was pretty much all there was to know, you know. So I had I had a little cockiness stepping into the profession, but then I had some moments early on where you know I was humbled, like okay, I'm watching some some of my other colleagues that I'm working with do these same things just in a different way, and they they are effective. So it forced me to kind of swallow my pride and say, all right, there is there are multiple ways to skin a cat. What about you? Had did, did you when you stepped into the professional coaching? Did you think that it was easier than what it turned out to be, or were you right on point, right where you needed to be mentally, or was there a moment where you had to get hit in the mouth, basically, and like, oh snap, there is more to this than what I thought I knew? Um, I think, I think my situation was was so different, um, because of the introduction to my first year of coaching, uh, which I did two years as a graduate assistant uh, before I transitioned into high school. But- You got college experience under your belt too then. Yes, but I consider my first year as a high school coach, you know, because as a graduate assistant, you're still kind of underneath someone and and it's more so, uh, in a way, it's kind of like being a manager, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whenever you're a graduate assistant. so. My role as a first first year coach was different because unlike a lot of coaches, fresh out of college, I was a head coach. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's <laughs> a, um, a shocker in itself 
because, you know, you're forced into a role where you're having to be on it or you got to figure it out on the fly if you don't know. Um, and on top of that, you know, it was a small town, about 2,000 people. Um, I was the fourth coach in four years. And oh, so uh, just building the trust and the fact that, you know, trying to convince them that I was going to be there another year. Um, that was one of the biggest things, but I would say that for me, the hardest thing was to con condense my knowledge and my expertise on certain basketball concepts and just the game in general, condense it down to something that they could understand. Um, mm. as far as my so kind of had to, you kind of had to meet them where they were. Yeah. Yeah. And I had been a small town, you know, I was in charge of the junior high as well. And to me, my junior high and my incoming freshmen were probably my most challenging because we had girls that had never done a layup before. And me trying to think, how do you do a layup? You know, I hadn't, I, I learned how to do a layup at six. So, you, <laughs> you know, trying to go back to the basics that far was a yes. big challenge for me. Because uh, I'm like, wow, you don't know how to do a layup, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's like, whoa, you, you come into the gym supposed to know how to do that. Yes. And I mean, and I'm talking about, I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, when do you put the ball on the floor? When do you pick it up in the lay? Like, you know, I'm trying to think of foot placement and all of this. And, and uh, I mean, it was such a blessing to have an assistant coach at the time. Her first year coaching was at a junior high and she had had that prior experience. And by her being from the panhandle, which they're extremely huge on fundamentals, she was yeah. able to break that down you know, to just take one step up. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's something yeah. I completely forgot about. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Never, never really had to think about it, did you? It was like yeah. it was an unconscious thing. Your body just reacts. You just did it, right? Yes, yes. And so um, the fact that she was able to break down, you know, basic fundamentals so well, and, you know, I was able to add the athleticism and reaction part of it, um, we really worked well together. Um, you know, those first three years that I was at that school. And so it was a little different my first year just because of because of that, um, that aspect of it. That's a major thing right there. Now, um, your route was sort of abnormal in, in terms of how it began. I'm talking about coaching now, because I think what a lot of times you see is coaches, they start out. In a, in a role as an assistant. And, and I guess you did at, at the college level. But mm -hmm. very rarely, very rarely do you see a player that's going into coaching just jump right out there and, in a lead role. And me, I'm of the mindset that you become a better leader once you've had to follow good leadership. Now, would you, would you say that you sort of skipped a step or maybe you got all of that in when you were working as a graduate assistant at the college level? How, how, how would you say that? And would you say that, that it helped you to go right into that role as a, as a head coach or do, do you sort of wish you would have had some time to assist and work your way through the ranks? Um, that's a good question. I think that. Yeah, I, yeah. I know we all want to run the show though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, as far as skipping a step, um, even as a head coach, I, I was the one 
getting in contact with college coaches asking, hey, can I watch your practice? Or, you know, uh, hey, can I come to a game? Or, you know, I'm going up to different coaches in the area that's been doing it a while, and, you know, I'm picking their brain for different stuff, and I'm asking for advice and, um, you know, having different chalk talks. Because even though I was thrown in that role early on, I was still like hungry for information. And, uh, you know, I was still wanting to be up underneath someone that had more experience than I did just for the simple fact that I knew that I did not know it all. And I knew that there were going to be certain things that, you know, experience was going to solve. And, Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out ways to have a crash course for the experience, you know, but, you know, I know now that there is no crash course. Um, but I mean, I was, I was reading books, you know, I'm, I'm searching the internet. I'm talking to coaches. Um, I'm talking to coaches that coach a completely different sport and just picking their brain on, you know, team cohesion and, and time management and practice management and, and just how, how to, handle the, the basic um, logistics of, of coaching and not just the actual practice plan type stuff. You know, um, I was like, I was probably bugging everybody that I knew at that point. Um, so. And it, it, it's definitely, it's amazing. And that's a great point you made. It's amazing how many concepts, how many team concepts and how many philosophies sort of transcend from sport to sport. Like they're not specific they're not sports specific. It's not just basketball. Some basketball principles can relate to softball and as it can relate to, to football and all of that. So I feel you on that, talking to other coaches from different sports. I bet oh, you yeah. probably got a lot of nuggets of information that way too, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it was something that was a little odd. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can apply that. But, you know, <laughs> for the most part, um, it, was, it was great information. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. How did your, how did your tenure – as as the head coach in because you said it was three years right yes it was three years um three years there at a at a small 3a school and then um basically I had got to a point where I felt like I couldn't improve if that made sense you know yeah I felt like I was stuck at a level and um I was battling myself because I mean I love basketball. Yeah, I mean I, that I know. I absolutely love it. And I'm in an area in which this is just Texas in general, but the fact that I'm in East Texas, East Texas football is like when I say it's like mm. bigger than everything, it's it's literally bigger than everything. And right. Um, I was at a school where the three years I was there, my first year they went to the state semifinals and my last two years there, they had won state back to back. And so mm-hmm. not saying that that football overwhelmed it, but I would say that as far as basketball went, there wasn't really a true passion for basketball, you know, mm-hmm. it was more so, Oh, this is just something to do, or this is just basketball season because a lot of our girls play, you know, all the sports. And so it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I tried hosting camps. Uh, I tried getting them. Uh, I, I tried setting up a, a spring league. I mean, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get them. I mean, getting 
my players to play and I'm hosting, you know, I was like, what in the world? But I wow. got so basically yeah. what, what it sounds like I'm hearing is a little bit of a culture change that you were trying to uh, inflict. Yes. Yes. Um, trying to inflict a culture change, but you know, I felt like I was at a standstill. I mean, I knew that I was making improvements. I knew that our, our staff was making improvements, uh, just the girl staff alone, all sports, but I knew that, it, that we were a long way to go. And I knew that I was on in the, in the process of burning myself out because mm. of it was either, it, it was a choice of, do I, lessen my passion to meet them where they're at and then we'll continue to rise together until they get to my passion or do I seek the next challenge you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so for me I decided to seek the next challenge which um, initially I had applied for an assistant job at a 5A school and I got the job but about a month after receiving the job the head coach that I was going to be up under, he retired. Um, and he retired mm-hmm. after the uh, contract cutoff date. So basically um, they can't hire anybody um, because all of the contracts are locked. Um, so yeah. either they have to hire somebody that's either fresh out of college or they have to hire somebody that's either retired and, and willing to get back in it. And so they had, came to me about the head job. And at first I was a little hesitant because jumping from 3A to 5A is a, is a, a different animal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I expressed my concerns um, about that. You know, um, I was under the impression that I would have help in the areas that, you know, I needed help in as far mm-hmm. as that transition was concerned. And so I ended up taking it. Um, it, was a, it was a definite learning lesson. Uh, being at the 5A school. So I ended up being a head coach for one year there um, at a 5A school before coming to Tyler Lee, which this is my second year here. Look at you. You've been making them moves, getting a lot of experience along the way, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, being a head coach, the the ups of being a head coach, um, you know, first year we finished, you know, one spot from playoffs, um, you know, I've had a few lows as a head coach, um, you know, one, my last year, like being reassigned, you know, that was difficult, um, you know, cause I mean, no coach wants to be let go of their, of their title, you know, Oh yeah, uh, I know. It. and then, you know, but I, I think for me, one of my, my hardest lows was, um, it was my second year as a head coach and, um, my only returning starter, you know, I found out during volleyball season that she was pregnant and that was mm. a, a definite low. But, and a lot of people were confused on why I was so emotional about it. Uh, Cause they were thinking, Oh yeah, you know, that's your only returning starter. But I was so emotional because her whole life was rerouted at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was looking at it from that aspect <laughs> and, you know, I was like, her whole life is rerouted. You know, but yeah. she was able to turn. Um, she played her uh, her senior year, which was good. Um, she's doing well with herself. So, I mean, I think that she's a success story in that, you know, by overcoming, you know, that challenge in her high school career. So, Sure, sure. That, that's a beautiful thing right there because um, I, I think so many people try to try to tell us what life is supposed to be. 
But uh, you, you, you sit down and make all the lists you want and try to make all the plans you want, but then you still got to go out here and walk the beat. And sometimes things just happen that you couldn't see coming. And when they do, you got to handle them in stride. And that kind of takes me to the next question I wanted to throw at you because, you know, you feel free to attack this from whatever angle you want to, or we can slide on by if you don't want to. It's on you. But I do know you because you happen to be a personal friend of mine. We talked about um, – your dad and you had you know how much of an influence he had on you growing up and you he ended up passing long before his time how how did you handle that because I know me I love both my parents but I, I'm I'm especially a daddy's boy and anybody that knows me knows that and uh, so I can only imagine you know the, the, the pain that you might have felt and may still be feeling in his absence can you, tell, you take me through some of that uh yeah I can definitely do that um speaking back on you know, from 14 to 19, you know, thoughts really didn't cross my mind as far as jumping ship and as far as uh, the collateral damage of something or, you know, the consequences or, or, or just bad results of some of my actions. Um, right. His passing really put a lot of stuff into 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 retrospect for me. Um, uh, one being. He ended up passing two weeks into my freshman year of college. And so I'm already new. <laughs> you know, you're a freshman on campus. You're mm-hmm. trying to get used to college basketball. And you're I think, away from home. yeah, you're away from home. Uh, new experiences. And I think everybody that's played college basketball has experienced a, a coach that is just hard or difficult to to try to understand or, you know, just, just get the concept of. And so I'm dealing with that, um, you know, and, you know, he dies and my initial reaction, and, and it might be because of, um, you might be able to relate uh, inner city mentality, especially growing up on the North side. Um, yeah. It's real yeah. big, as it, you know, in your childhood, you don't want to be labeled as, you know, a punk, basically. For you know, sure. you don't, don't want to be the weak one. No, yeah. you don't want to be the weenie in the group. Yeah, you don't want to be weak. And so I carried that mindset into the morning, you know, of my father. And so instead of allowing those emotions to flow, you know, I turned inward. And so I turned inward so much to where I stopped caring about basketball. And this was the first time in my life that basketball was not a, you know, number one factor. And I figured out a way to basically maintain, just do enough to keep my scholarship or stay on the team. And, you know, I carried that really through my first three years of college basketball. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Janae Williams, when I played with her at Clarendon, um, you know, by her playing with me in AU and high school and et cetera, um, she was able to notice that in me. And so, you know, she would call me out. You know, she would call me out in private. She would call me out in front of the team. And, you know, I commend her for that because, you know, she would call me out and let me know that I'm not being, you know, who she was used to and who she knew I could be as a player. And, uh, wow. you know, and, and that, 
made me respect her a lot more. And, you know, and she would call out other players too and say, and y'all better not say anything because, you know, I know her and y'all don't, you know, so I respected her leadership on that part, but, you know, it was, it was very difficult for me and it was really, I really didn't make that change of actually giving the effort that I should have gave um, until my senior year. And that was because I was coming off of a knee injury. And, you mm. know, that that really brings you back into reality, you know, when you get hurt and then it's now like, all right, you might not be able to do this, you know. Mm. And so I had a really good assistant coach uh, at East Texas Baptist that she believed in me. You know, she would call me out. She wouldn't let me just go through the motions and stuff like that. And and I was initially that type of player that you literally had to call me out. Um, you know, any anything I dropped the ball on, you were going to call me out on. You know, if, if I sensed any sign of of weakness or or, or not even necessarily weakness, but I, I considered a coach being nice or super nice as oh, I can I can get my way, you know. There and, you go. <laughs> and so I needed that coach that was, you know, had that foot right there. Yeah, like like letting me know exactly, <laughs> you know, what it was that, that they needed me to do. You know, and if mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that, then they, they were going to call it out. But, um, you know, my dad, he played a huge part. And by me experiencing my college career without him being there was extremely difficult, especially coming from the fact that he had never missed a game. And I think he missed my – he started missing games my senior year of high school. Um, and that's such a big time of your life, too, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think uh, – I know my senior year is where I burned the most bridges. And, you know, a lot of that had to do with not being able to express, you know, the hurt that I was feeling. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just in more so in fear of feeling like people perceiving me as weak – or not tough, mm-hmm. especially right. everybody that knew me then knew me as, you know, either big roof or, you know, they knew me as having a tough persona. And so yeah, I did. I did. You yeah. always you always had that, had that mean mug, had that scowl. Yeah. Like, oh, she's mean. Then I met you. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I just like I, I, I guess I didn't want to give up that identity. I think I think that was probably the biggest thing. You know, and when he passed, I felt like I didn't have an identity, you know, because I'm like, well, who am I now? <laughs> you know, like if I'm not a daddy or, you know, I'm not up under him. Then who am I? And, you know, my dad represented everything that, you know, I feel like a father was supposed to represent. He provided, you know, um, he nurtured and mm-hmm. he basically believed in and the vision that he had for me as well as the vision that I had for myself. And, you know, he aided in that. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Well, we definitely got to have that foundation. And I think all, think all the charity starts at home, doesn't it? But now I'm going to redirect and we're going to lighten it up a little bit. And I, this, this is the chance where you get to sound like the old grumpy person, you know what (laughs) I mean? That it gets to talk about how days used to be whenever we were coming up. Tell me about the, the state of girls basketball at the high school level, okay? Now, obviously, we're in two different states. You're in Texas right now. I'm in Oklahoma. But I think that the game is not all that different from place to place. I mean, we're still talking about 
unpredictable, fickle teenagers, boys yeah. or girls. But in your opinion, what does high school girls basketball look like nowadays in comparison to what it was during your time as a player when you got to travel the country and play against some of the top-notch competition out there? Are you talking about AAU or are you just talking about high school or everything in general? I'm talking about at the high school level in general, whether we're talking school ball at the high school level or we're talking AAU at the high school level. Hmm. I think um, I think the high school level, as far as just school, is fairly stayed the same on the girls' side. Um, I think some of the coaching methods has, has changed, um, mm -hmm. and I think more so a lot of coaches are trying to reach this new generation of athletes. And, you know, you're finding more of the coaches that coached us are retiring because they don't know how to reach the new generation of athletes. And you have coaches that's, you know, around our age or younger that are stepping into the roles of, of being the leaders of the team as far as coaches go, just because we can better relate, you know, and that might just be because uh, closeness and age or mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe we're not as old school in a lot of our tactics um, mm -hmm. and a lot of our um, approaches to coaching. Uh, but I think AAU, I think that that has really taken off um, way further. Uh, yeah, in a good way. Um, I think, well, I think good way and a bad way. But the bad way, I think, I think because it's gotten so big, and I'm not sure about Oklahoma because I've been out of the loop um, with Oklahoma basketball other than a state tournament, you know, that right. I'll come home and watch. But I've been out of the loop. AAU-wise and, and high school-wise in Oklahoma. But in Texas, and it might just be here in, in the region that I'm in, East Texas, but I'm seeing a lot of, you know, AAU has gotten to, to be huge. And me, I'm a fan of AAU. I like AAU. I'm a product of AAU. Yeah, we both are. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think whenever we were coming up, it was very rare that you saw a AAU program that really didn't know what they were doing. You know, the coaches didn't know, <laughs> you know, and, uh -huh. and it wasn't like about hype, you know, because it was hard to hype up your team back in the day because players wouldn't even go to you if they didn't feel like you knew what you were doing, you know. Bottom line, parents yeah. wouldn't bring them. Yeah. And, you know, your reputation as a coach kind of proved – you know, basically that's that's what got you players or if somebody could vouch that you knew what you were talking about, then you could get players. You know, now I'm seeing a, a trend that you'll have teams that they're not even sending players to NCAA certified tournaments or right. no exposure tournaments at all. And they're charging these kids fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars for just the summer, you know, and you're like, mm. what? You know, um, but I do think that there are some great AU programs out there that, that truly care, that truly trying to get those kids exposure and stuff like that. But I think that the reason I say that there's there's some bad sides to it is because I think the coaches that are not in it for the right reasons uh -huh. are causing a lot of high school coaches to not have trust in AU coaches anymore. You know, and I think that Oklahoma, at least from my experience, they did a really great job of of just 
looking at AAU and high school basketball as a team thing, you know, like they wanted us to play AAU. You know, it was very, very rare that any of our high school coaches talked down on an AAU program and vice versa. It was very rare that a, that a AAU coach talked down on a high school program, you know, because they knew that both were needed in order for that player to be successful. And so I I, I think I'm going to jump in and add to that because I can remember during our time, um, the programs that we both had played for, uh, obviously they were, they were more competitive and a better because we had a collection of, of some selected players than our high school teams were. So we had to sort of play less of a role because we had so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, with the AAU. Yeah. And it made us better for the bigger role we had to play when we got back to our high school team. So I, I thought I thought one had everything to do with the other, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and um, I really don't see too much of that – in, in this particular region of Texas that I'm in. And it might just be because um, this region is a little bit more traditional um, compared to, you know, the Metroplex like Dallas or Houston or Austin or San Antonio or somewhere in there. Um, East Texas is still, it still has a small town feel. You know, the majority of East Texas are small towns. Uh, the area I'm in is considered the largest area, you know. And so even with that, it's still traditional. Um, but I don't know. I don't hey, know. We, 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 figuring it, we figuring it out as we go, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We figured it out. But I think that um, the region that I'm in, and, you know, um, I'm not sure if it'll happen, but I think once the high school coaches can interconnect with the AAU coaches in the area, I think that that will definitely help our area as far as basketball just boom. And I think part of that in Oklahoma, and I don't know if this is still the rule or not, but I remember high school coaches could coach an AAU team, you know, and they could coach the summer league or the spring league, you know, mm-hmm. um, or the camps at colleges. Whereas in Texas, we have a lot stricter rules um, we can have an AU team, but it either has to be sixth grade and under, or it has to be coaching girls or, or guys that are not a part of your district. At so in Oklahoma, yeah. we got a limited, we got a limited amount that we can have of our own. Let's say for instance, if I, if I'm coaching the AU team, I think the limit for my own high school boys that can be on that team is two. So you mean to tell okay. me it's zero where you are? Yeah, it's zero. Ooh-wee. Yeah. And I'm talking and, – and, and the the rules here in Texas are so strict that we can only we, – we can't even have basketball contact with our players in the summers. The whole summer? So, yeah, the whole summer. I'm talking about – you, know, you can't teach nothing. <laughs> that is so – uh, I, I hate that so much because, you know, this game, this sport is year round. And I think any sport that any athlete wants to com- wants to be competitive at a high level, it, you know, they've got to be connected with it somehow year round. And, you know, as well as I do, and you can't just trust these jokers to take care of their business and stay on point like they should for a whole three months without without having somebody 
on them, making sure that that's happening. And you, it's just hard to vouch for it when you don't see it. So yeah, that oh, that that's a tough one to adjust to. How do you deal with that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we can have open gyms, you know, okay. like All you right. can open a gym. But as far as like saying like like the hardest part is seeing a player do something in error and you want to critique it, you want to correct it. Right. But you can't, can't you know, but I mean, there are ways around it. You can, you can talk to somebody and tell them, yeah, it would be nice if, you know, someone could tell them to blah, you know, blah, J, blah, J. <laughs> yeah. There's always a loophole, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That that's big time. Now I got two more things I want to throw at you. Cause I need, I, I know you're busy lady and I appreciate you giving me your time. First thing, um, Going from being a head coach to to being a to being an assistant now. Now, um, depending on who you talk to, some people are of the mindset that that may be you know stepping backwards. But to me, I look at it in a different. I look at it in a different light. You know, I think that um, that uh, once you are in that seat as a head coach, you know what you needed from your help from your staff. And so, yes. and so, if you ever have to go to help somebody as an assistant coach, I think that makes you even more suitable and even more adequate as uh, an assistant because you know what this boss is going to need based on what your needs were when you were the boss. Like, did you have to swallow your pride a little bit to, 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 so to speak, and take a role as an assistant coach having been a head coach for two different tenures? Was that difficult? Um, me stepping into the role – as far as uh, feeling like it was a step back, no, just because whenever I left the school that I was at for three years, I the, the job was essentially going to be an assistant role. But because of the, the circumstances, I ended up being a head coach again. And so it wasn't difficult for me stepping into that role because I, I, I'm still young and there's still some things that that I need to learn. And right. um, I do think that um, during the interview process with uh, uh, the head coach I'm up under now and the varsity assistant, you know, one of their main questions, you know, was would it be a problem for me being in the role that I'm in, which is, you know, my title is the freshman coach. And so yeah. I told them no, you know, because, um, Really, my personality isn't like that anyway, as far as, you know, feeling like I have to have a certain title or a certain position and all of this, because um, my thing was I, I needed to be a part of a, a program that was doing some of the, the things right, you know, and having and I wanted to be a part of a program where everybody was basketball minded, um, because other than um my first three years, I just got lucky having an assistant that happened to play college basketball just like I did. But that was rare. Go. I mean, that was rare. And, you know, um, being a head coach at the, at the school that, that I ended up going to the next, the, the, the four, that fourth year, um, whenever I stepped into that head coaching role, um, I had one coach that this was her first year coaching. And so, you know, that was a lot of mentorship and trying to get, um, you know, her comfortable in the role, but at the same time, I'm trying to build a program and, you know, and I had, 
another assistant that I felt like wasn't dedicated enough. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. like one instance being um, in the middle of practice, I'm thinking she's critiquing her practice plan, you know, so that whenever we split um, teams and she works with the JV that, you know, she can kind of critique this practice plan to fit, fit her athletes. I walk over, she's great in papers, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And And so for me, stepping into an assistant role, I had had enough experience to where I'm like, okay, I know a head coach wants this, expects this, you know, I'm going to try to make their job as, as easy as possible, you know, or as less stressful as possible. Um, but, you know, uh, the coach that I'm working up under now, you know, um, I think that he knows his stuff. Um, the way he runs his program, I respect. Um, he really, even though I'm the freshman coach, he, he puts me over development, skill development, more specifically the post development. Um, Cause we run a a high low offense, which is really right up my alley. And so, um, you know, we have a really dominant um, post player. um, That's really good. Really two, two dominant post players, but one post player has, she's transitioning into a a three guard uh, Mm -hmm. or forward uh, because at the next level, that's what she'll more than likely play. But, you know, it's, 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 really, it's really good to be a part of a program where everybody's basketball-minded. Everybody has a common goal where you don't have to worry about, you know, well, is this coach dedicated? <laughs> you know, yeah. is this coach brought yeah. in? So um, it's definitely a good thing. Sounds like a lot of progression right there. And listen. Don't let the post player become extinct, all right? You know the game is getting finessed like a mug. So that kind of made me smile right there whenever you said y'all got some – y'all got two bigs and, and one particularly that, that, that seems like – that seems like she's a big all the way around. She's not transitioning. She's going to be down around that bucket. Am I right? Yeah, and she'll more – like in college, yeah. she'll more than likely be a four. I mean, she's ranked yeah. three in the nation and for her position. Nice. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's a joy getting to work uh, – really work with all the athletes, but I mean, to specifically work with post players, that's just an even better passion for me. There you go. Now, here's the last thing I want to throw at you, and this is something that I've been paying attention to for quite some time, and it actually it actually sort of bothers me a little bit, you know? Now, with you being a woman, I, I, get, I kind of scratch my head a little bit because we see in a lot of sports um, men coaching men, and then you see a lot of situations where men are coaching women's sports, right? And yes. then of course you see women coaching women, but rarely do you see women coaching men or women coaching boys, let's say at the high school level or below. Could you speak to, to, to that a little bit about, you know, what, maybe why that might be from, from your perspective, what you might think that that, that that stems from, or do you look at that as, as, a, as an issue or does it not really matter to you as much? Or maybe you, maybe you are of the mindset that you respond a certain way to a certain type of tutelage from male to female. Like, what does that look like to you? Why, why is it that way? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, actually my first year, at the 3A school I was at, I was head girls basketball assistant track, and I was assistant boys track. <laughs> hey, there you go. And um, I, I was saying that, that uh, 
coaching boys was a culture shock for me. Um, and I guess because my experience watching boys practice, watching boys perform on the field or track or court, um, there's kind of this, this outside looking in idea that boys are just going to really work hard or, you know, like from the outside looking in, it, it, it seems as if they're really working hard whenever you're watching them, right? Just mm-hmm. because they're a lot faster, they're a lot quicker, they jump higher. And right. when I say that, I literally had to fuss them out like every day, mm-hmm. just the basics. And I was like, what in the world? But I mean, once they understood that I wasn't going to let up, you know, they fell into the standard that I expected of them. But I think that um, my coaching style didn't change. It was the same. But the fact that I had to fuss them out, you know, that was a difference uh, because I really didn't have to do that too often with my girls or with my female athletes. But, you know, once that standard was set with the boys, um, you know, everything fell in line. But I will say that their approach to me was different once the standards were set. You know, um, I noticed that, you know, whatever they, I guess they couldn't go to a male coach about, they come to me about. So, like, if they were um, about something, um, and I guess they, I don't know male culture. So, you know, to me, from the outside looking in, from a female perspective, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe they couldn't go to a male coach about something emotional. You know, something mm-hmm. so they would come to me with that, you know, and I was able to provide that kind of support um, with them, you know, that way they wouldn't go off and do something stupid, at least. Sure, sure, sure. Now, who says we don't have emotion with the fellas? We got, we feel things, right? We just got to have that right, that right outlet to get those emotions, too. And it sounds like you played that role. Was, was that, was that, did that feel more natural, more natural to you than, uh, than it did in the beginning, playing that nurturing role? Or was that something you kind of had to, you know, learn how to be for them? Uh, you, you talking about as far as nurturing? Yeah. Uh, I think that was more so natural. Um, I think it was more so natural. Just because, um, and I and and I don't know, I don't know how those situations pan out in a male coach coaching a male athlete, and he's dealing with something emotional. You know, I'm not sure how male coaches handle that with with boys. You know, uh-huh. but um, it was just more so being a listening ear without judgment and, you know, without, if they cried, you know, for, for, you know, if they were crying, I wasn't going to judge them, you know, right. But on, on the same token, and this is probably just because of North Tulsa, you know, he would be crying. And then when we would get ready to walk off to, you know, uh, get ready for event i said all right now get yourself together <laughs> you know there you go straight up straight up get it back right get get your war paint on it's time to go battle yeah yeah you know so i would give them that, that moment and that space to you know um to handle that emotion but then you know whenever it was go time i'm like okay now get yourself together let's go and so um but i think that they they enjoyed that though so that's real life stuff right there ruth well listen 
I am so grateful to you for taking your time and coming, spending time with me on my podcast and for you listeners. Hopefully you picked up a lot of game because this one right here is one of is one of the great minds out there for the sport. Um, and I know I took a lot away from what, what you gave to us tonight. And for those who tune in, a lot you can take away as well. So, Ruth Stewart, I appreciate you once again. I salute you for your work. I definitely wish you well on your season. Uh, down there in Texas, and hopefully we can connect again soon. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I wish you much success this year. Uh, this is a new role for you, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, and it's a small town, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. It definitely is. Stomping grounds. I'm trying to create new ones like you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, right. definitely. We will do that. All right, y'all. We'll catch you next week. Sports Speak. We out. <laughs>